Welcome to The Mindful Apprentice, brought to you by Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. In this podcast series, we want to share stories and information to help everyone make the apprenticeship a success, whether you're an employer or the apprentice. We've interviewed a wide range of apprentices, employers, specialists, charities and clinicians to make this series. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll find it helpful. Hello, I'm Dominic Arkwright. In this programme, what support can you expect from your employer and your training provider? First, the employer side, and we'll start with Mark Bates, Early Careers Programme Manager at Nationwide Building Society. We've got employee care services. Most businesses have got support lines, confidential lines. So it's not always about your manager, because you might feel a bit... It might affect you if you speak to your manager. Reach out for other people, because there's always networks of support around. And talk to... Um, other apprentices who've been in your shoes and asked them what did they do to get that, that routine right, for example. You've got the buddies and the mentors, they're also there to reach out to. And also um, there's always a confidential helpline or there are, I think we even got uh, apps and things like that. So if you don't feel like you can talk to somebody, you, you want your support through a different platform, there's lots of wellbeing applications that can give you support. So that's a good environment for supporting people, and larger companies may well have these services. Let's hear a couple more examples of good practice. First, from chartered occupational psychologist Emily Hutchinson, who started a graduate entry programme at John Lewis Partnership. We had a couple of things in place. So one was that every person had a kind of tutor who was responsible for teaching. So teaching you what you needed to know for the job that you were kind of trained to do. But you also had a kind of buddy. And so that was someone who was has still been in the organisation, I think, a year. So I think the tutor had probably been in the organisation a few years. Um, the, the buddy person had been, I think, had joined the year before you. So there was a kind of a thread through. So you were assigned um, those people, which made it very easy for the person joining. And I think those kind of systems can work really well. And here's Becky Riddler, who did her apprenticeship at Synoptics and is still there. Part of our onboarding is having that talk about the mental health services that we have available. Um, and there are messages that go out, I think, every couple of weeks or every couple, every month or so, just re-detailing those information to people. Um, we also have a very dedicated CSR team that will spread messages and news for the mental health company. And we also had, I think, a mental health awareness month a couple of weeks back. Um, we made sure everyone was aware of what was going on. We went on kind of walks as a company. We share little wins that are happening across the weekend to kind of make sure everyone's keeps taking through the winter months as well. So, as an apprentice, you should expect support from your employer. Anna Morrison is the founder of Amazing Apprenticeships. So, first of all, you're an employee. So, your employer may have some provision in place. So, they may have support groups or networks that you're able to join. They may have schemes that they buy into as an employer, where if you needed some help, you might be able to reach out to whoever it is they work with. Some um, workplaces will have kind of well-being coaches and mentors as well. It will really just depend on the size of the organisation. One thing your workplace should be able to offer is what are called reasonable adjustments, but you may need to ask for them. Julia Wildfire-Roberts works with a mental health charity, Pentreath, in Cornwall. 
A reasonable adjustment is something that an employer will do to ensure that the person who's experiencing um, something different um, has the same opportunities at work as everybody else. So we have a couple of people at work who have adjustable desks and that's a reasonable adjustment that, that they would have equipment come in that would allow them to work in a certain way. Um, if you have a person who is experiencing mental ill health it might be that they would benefit from working at home for a couple of days a week. It might be that they would benefit from having supervision more frequently. It may be that they would benefit from having, um, you know, a, a separate office or workspace because they find it overwhelming to work with a, a big group of people. So that's worth thinking about. And larger companies especially are likely to have occupational health and HR teams, as Meg Ginsberg, an apprentice at Southwest Water, points out. Organisations will have support, whether that's through occupational health. Um, I know they do mental health referrals, for example, at Southwest Water. Um, there's a 24-7 sort of hotline you can call. So they're sort of more, I guess, a sort of traditional structural support networks. So there's your line manager, there may be HR or occupational health, there may be employee assistance programmes you can access and other apprentices you can get advice from. But we've still got this thorny issue that you've usually got to tell someone you need help in order to get it. Becky Riddler is lucky she doesn't have a problem talking to her manager. My manager, uh, I'm very close with them and any problems I have I can send them a message or friend them up straight away and just kind of voice that and there's no judgement there. If I'm struggling getting some unit assignments in with some work deadlines, I can voice that straight away and they'll help me find a way around it. Whether that's um, taking the workload off me for my project work or speaking to my lecturers at uni to see if there's any support I can get for my assignments as well. So Becky has good relationships with both her employer and her training provider. And so does Jessa Lee at construction consultancy Stace, but she acknowledges it's hard to raise the issue. I think, for example, is I do have some mental health issues and like when speaking to my bosses for the first time about that, it was still, I guess, have the feeling of they might treat me with special treatment. There's definitely the kind of fear that people might react differently or um, be cautious. But I think they don't have to know the ins and outs of everything that you're going through. And Meg Ginsberg an apprentice project manager at Southwest Water, says whatever your reservations, openness is the best policy. When you become more open, you very quickly realise that it is completely not just you and you are not alone. And a lot of people have similar or different, but they still are able to empathise with you experiences. And a sort of good organisation, a supportive company would never want you to sort of change that yes they want to help you but that would nothing to be ashamed of so it's very much in a way you need to take the first step and be brave and be honest about what's happening because as danielle foy at new college swindon points out it's not going to put your job at risk my advice would be the sooner if you do notice something the sooner you raise it and the sooner you let them know it's okay they're not going to lose their job because the first thing they're going to think is oh no they think there's something wrong with me i'm going to lose my job i think it's reassuring them that it's okay and that you, they can support you you're not going to lose your job you can get through it and actually for employers to also hold their hands up and say actually we're not quite sure where to get help but we will find somewhere for you and we'll support you with it.
but also put into the perspective or the mindset of the apprentices that this is probably not the first time that that employer or that manager or that leader has had a conversation with an apprentice that's feeling this way. Sam Bishop, a performance psychologist who runs Sam Bishop Coaching and Development. And again, I think that can sometimes hold us back is that we feel like we're the first or that we're very unusual or that we're highly different. Whereas I would predict and, and probably heavily presume, rightly or wrongly, that they would have had multiple conversations with apprentices that were feeling this way in previous years. So they're probably well equipped and hopefully uh, prepared for that style of conversation. So again, I would encourage them to take that perspective and encourage them to speak about it because it probably won't be the first time that they've had that conversation with an apprentice in their, in their careers too. So many managers will be alert to signs of poor mental health and be able to help or at least point you in the right direction. And in a lot of companies and colleges and universities, maybe most, there'll be people trained like Evie Barnes. So at Nestle, we have mental health first aiders um, and the opportunity to train to become a mental health first aider. My motivation for wanting to become a mental health first aider was I wanted to be the person that I needed for somebody else when I was struggling. And this is what they do. Simon Blake is Chief Executive of Mental Health First Aid England. And a mental health first aider is somebody who is able to understand and knows the signs and symptoms of mental ill health. Somebody who's trained to understand how to have a good conversation and to offer non-judgmental advice. And then to support somebody to get help and information, whether that's from a, a, a clinical a medical professional, a clinician, um, or whether it's from some other form of, of social support, or indeed to think about self-care. What can they do to look for themselves? But a mental health first aider is really exactly that. They're not a therapist, they're not a psychologist, they're not a psychiatrist, they're somebody who understands signs and symptoms, knows how to listen well, knows how to signpost and make sure that people get good help, advice and support. And there are more than half a million in England now. Jordan Keane is Deputy Head of Apprenticeships at South Devon College. 99% of employers now will have either somebody that is, that is mental health aware or mental health trained, or they'll actually have dedicated HR team that are able to support with that and have, and have had that, that kind of training and are, and are aware of it. And if you find that you aren't getting that from your employer and there isn't that support, then definitely go to your training provider because your training provider, as, a, as an apprentice, your training provider should be offering you that support through whether it be one of your tutors or your assessor coaches or, or workplace coordinators, whatever you may have in your area. Well, let's go there because training providers are another big source of support if you find you're struggling. We heard a bit about this in the last programme, but let's hear more about what's available from Danielle Foy at New College Swindon and Darren Marks, Managing Director of Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. So with the educational side, whatever is available to any student an apprentice has access to, they are a student first and foremost. They are learning a trade or an industry or a profession. They have access to the same counselling services, the same wellbeing services, the same college nurse facilities and the same external support services. They've got everything effectively as a bonus if you like. Depending on what your employer has to offer, they can offer you that too. So it's really challenging around not taking it and speaking up. It's really, really hard. And 
it's a case of when you start to investigate from from our perspective and talk to students and apprentices and they say oh yeah this was said and that happened and you think really we'll fight your corner and we will challenge on your behalf back to the employers to say we've had this reported we have this experience it's not acceptable sometimes it comes with evidence sometimes it's hearsay but actually we will still look to do what we can to support all individuals and all parties employees included so that it's a fair and dignified workplace for all. It might be that they are struggling with their mental health and we have different agencies that we can signpost them to. Sometimes it might be that we say, look, you you might want to go see your GP. I know quite often they refer to lift psychology. We have an on-site counselling team as well that they can sign up for. So the wait, sometimes there's a wait for that, but it's not as long as a wait on the NHS. So it might be that they're able to access some facilities a lot quicker. There is help here and we may not be able to help you straight away, but there are staff here. Just talk to us. Danielle Foy from New College Swindon. But let's not forget the role of the mentor or apprenticeship coordinator. It's a relationship worth cultivating, according to Darren Marks. It's a fantastic relationship to to see it develop and grow as well. You see them on day one, uh, they've had a sign-up meeting and they're like, oh, who's that person? And I've got a vision in my head of one of our apprenticeship coordinators now and I can see her on site and I, she's, she's brilliant. From day one, that seed is sown around, right, I'm here for you. I'm also here for the business, but I'm here for you. That's that middle person. They have their mobile numbers to contact them 24-7. I say 24-7, we've all got lives as well, but it's, it's there to drop them a message and say, like a chat or a catch-up. But over the years, so apprenticeships can last between uh, a year, 18 months and four years, you see those relationships really grow and develop and you see the personal relationship and the bond changing around the communication style. They can identify quite quickly when things aren't quite right. They will then be able to provide support through communication to other parties. We have, uh, within our facility we've got access to counsellors we've got access to nurses so it could be a, a discussion point and actually let's go and see these people let's physically go there or I've asked them to make contact with you look out for this phone number or this name and I actually uh, I'm still in contact with my apprenticeship coordinator from when I was an apprentice and had have and still have a fantastic relationship with them when you see the the, the help that's come from someone just going in an ounce of honesty and it's, you know, the real harsh reality is it could have saved someone's life. It really could have. And that sounds really hard message to deliver. But that's what they are there for. Darren Marks from Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. So that's what you can expect from your employer and your training provider. Next time, we'll look at other sources of help if you find you need it. Until then, I'm Dominic Arkwright. That's all for now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of The Mindful Apprentice. We hope you found something in it which was helpful to you or perhaps a colleague or friend, whether you're a new starter or a seasoned professional. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in the podcast or want to find out more about organisations which can provide help and support, go to sawiot.ac.uk forward slash The Mindful Apprentice.